1: Greening with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
0: NFL draft coming fast and furious tomorrow night, thirty minutes. Jordan Reed, our draft analyst, will join us to break down the latest news and notes coming around the draft. It's Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, Canty and Carlin, right here in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. We've spent a lot of time already, and we're going to spend a little bit more right now on what's going on with the Nets, and we've discussed the Ben Simmons part of this, Chris, but let's get to the other issue, and that is what we hear out of Kyrie the other night and what we hear with KD going back and forth on social media yesterday. First, just to refresh everybody's memory, this was Kyrie Irving after the game on Monday night discussing moving forward into the future with the Nets when
2: I say I'm, I'm here with Kev I think that it really entails us um, you know managing this franchise together alongside Joe and, and Sean and um, just our, our group of family members that we have in, in, in our locker room in our in our organization you know so um, it's not just about me and Kev I don't want to make it just about that we, we're cornerstones here but you know we have been we have a few other guys that are on contract and I think we just got to make some moves this offseason and really talk about it and um, really be intentional about what we're building and have some fun with it, make it enjoyable, and, um, you know, hopefully we get to start from day one just as a squad and, and as a family, and, and we just really worry about us.
0: I, I counted ten things that were
3: patently oh absurd in there. There's ten so, things. There are so many things, Carlin. I guess the one thing that, that bothers me the 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 most and what rubs me the wrong way is when he says we need to be intentional about what we're building. Were you intentional when you made the personal choice to not get vaccinated knowing there was a vaccine mandate in place and that leading to James Harden wanting to get traded out of Brooklyn? Were you intentional about what you and KD were building then? Because to me, that seems like that was a selfish decision, and you put in your own personal needs and wants ahead of what's in the best interest of, of the team. He actually, both in the short term but also long term. And he so actually when you said say you he, should be? He, called with,
0: it, he, he said, Chris, the other day,
3: I, it's not when I wouldn't
0: play. it was when I couldn't play. No, 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 you wouldn't play.
3: That was intentional. Yeah, you wouldn't play. It was your choice. You decided that you weren't going to get vaccinated when everybody else made the decision that they were. And when you're in a leadership position, i.e. managing the franchise or having the opportunity to do so, sometimes you have to make choices that might not necessarily be comfortable for you personally, but they're in the best interest of the whole. It's called a sacrifice, Carlin. Yep. That's what you do in team sports when you're trying to win a championship. He should know that. He won one in Cleveland where he sacrificed. He wasn't the main guy. It was LeBron James. And there was a different role that he had to take on. He wasn't the primary ball handler. That was LeBron James. So you got to understand, it happens in different ways. It could be a sacrifice in your role with the team on the court. It could be a sacrifice when it comes to getting vaccinated. But either way, it's a sacrifice that has to happen to put your team in position to compete for a championship. And I'm sorry, Carlin. When it comes to managing the franchise, I I don't know how you feel like you could deserve to have carte blanche over what the Nets are doing when you've only got one playoff series win in three years since you and and KD came over in free agency. I'm sorry, I'm not turning over control of my franchise to you guys just because you feel like you deserve to have it. Well, but they already
0: did. I mean, they've, they've already done everything. And how's that to,
3: worked out for you?
0: Exactly. Not well. That's my point. I'm not so saying, why it's am right. I I'm continue saying it's already happened.
3: Uh, yeah, I get it. It's you, already happened. But well, why should you continue to do it? You should if, if you're not going anywhere, why would you potentially opt out this summer and force me to try to give you a $250 million contract extension? I'm sorry. I just don't feel like Kyrie deserves to do that because he's not a guy that's reliable. And worse, Carlin, He's not a guy that's accountable. And you can hear that in his messaging in these post-game interviews. And that's the part, if I'm Sean Marks or Joe Sy, their team owner, that would scare the hell out of me in giving that guy a quarter of a billion dollars. But
0: it's going to happen. And the problem for me is not even just with Kyrie, but it's in some of the comments that Durant made to Yahoo after he did his post-game discussion the other night. When he said, I can't be mad at Kyrie. We have an incredible friendship. This isn't about basketball. If I have a basketball problem with him, uh, we can talk it out. All right. Then talk it out and grab the reins because you came here for your legacy and this sucker is spinning out of control on you. Grab the wheel, KD, because right now it looks like there is no, no priority of basketball above other things in either of their lives. And I'm not saying it should be above family, but it should be above everything else. When you came here because you were worried about, well, he's just the guy that went along for the ride out in Golden State, and you wanted to do your own thing, that's fine. you got to be the guy that is actually not letting it get away from you, and that's all he has done by letting Kyrie get away with everything he has gotten away with. And it's remarkable that Kyrie sits there and continues to just act like he can do whatever he wants and he's going to run the show, but then again, it's not because that's what happens. They have let Kyrie completely turn this franchise upside down and KD has just not stepped up enough to actually take control.
3: Well, and, Kyrie, Kyrie's and only, and you're right, to your point, Carlin, Kyrie's only allowed to be empowered because Kevin Durant is yielding that power to him.
0: Right, Durant Kevin should Durant be having told, a meeting himself with Joe Sy and with Sean Marks about what they're going to do, and if we're going to hand Kyrie a quarter of a billion dollars.
3: Yeah, and if and if, Kyrie, and if uh, Kevin Durant doesn't want that to happen, then it's not going to happen. So I, I'm with you on that one. Like, I, I get it. I, I hear everything that you're saying. The one thing that I would push back on a little bit is how important basketball is to Kevin Durant, because I, I do believe it is important to him in terms of trying to enhance his legacy. That's why he left Golden State to try to enhance his legacy. Now, as I, I guess as misguided as it might be, it's the reason why he left. He didn't but, want but to be is, in Steph Curry. He didn't want to be in Steph Curry's shadow. He knew that that no, would always I, I get be all Steph Curry's that, team. But he has
0: ceded and, control of that to somebody else here in Kyrie.
3: Well, listen, Kyrie, when he's on the floor, is one of the best offensive players in the game today. There's no there's no debating that, Carlin, but the lack of consistency, the lack of accountability is what's going to keep them from competing for a championship. And Kyrie alluded to it himself when he said after their Game 3 loss, that team has been gelling since Christmas and we just now got together. Well, the reason why you just now got together is because you didn't want to get vaccinated. That was a personal choice that you made. It is hard to reconcile you doing everything you can to compete for a championship with not getting vaccinated when there's a vaccine mandate in place. And that's the position that Kyrie Irving put the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant, his good friend in. And Kevin Durant is going to have to be the one to answer to it. Nobody's going to blame Kyrie in the annals of history. Everybody is going to blame Kevin Durant for the disaster that has been the Brooklyn Nets. And if they don't get this thing turned around in short order – which from what they're saying doesn't sound like they will, then this will be one of the all-time gaps when it comes to free agency and how to construct a roster to compete for a championship.
0: Nets aren't winning one. I, I, I don't see it with the way this is configured. If Durant wants to win a championship and, ex- and change his legacy and, and have full control of it, he's got to get Kyrie out of the mix. Because Kyrie well, Carla, you could have spent a hell
3: card. of a lot less money to have a second-round exit or a first-round exit if you're Josiah. Yeah, You could have spent a lot less money and get this same thing accomplished. When the Nets had D'Lo as their lone all-star, at least that went to a game six against the Sixers. Yep. I'm just saying, you could have spent a lot less money to get what you got in the first round from the Brooklyn Nets this year. That's how disastrous this is. And the more I talk about it, Carlin, the more I come back to your position. And I, I know it sounds strange to bring this question back, but you asked me the question, which was a bigger failure? This year's Lakers team or this year's Nets team. And because I'm a Lakers fan, it hits a little different. I'm a little more invested in that franchise. But you're absolutely right. I don't admit that I'm wrong on air a whole lot of times, but I'll admit I was wrong. The Brooklyn Nets are an absolute dumpster fire. And what these guys are saying makes me feel like next year is going to be even worse. It, it, because I have no reason to think
0: things are going to change whatsoever. And when you put together – this level of player, all together, at the beginning of the year, when you had Harden and Kyrie and Durant, before you were even thinking about the vaccine mandates and any of that, there was one expectation, and that was to win a championship. And then it completely disintegrated on you to the point where a guy that got traded here and is playing with two of the greatest players in the world said, get me out of here. That speaks volumes to me. I hate the way that he did it, but was he wrong? It's hard to say that he was wrong right now. It's hard to say that, although I will admit, Chris, number one, I did take a little bit of joy in in yesterday in knowing that I, in fact, was right about this. Not about you, but about everybody. Because, (laughs) listen, what people will figure out is that I'm right a lot more of the time than they realize or want to admit. That's fine. But secondly... I mean, you can't tell me, and we'll get to this in a second. I want to see Harden in a pressurized situation the next few days.
3: I want to see James Harden sweat a little bit. There, 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 listen, the the, <laughs> the the pressure is getting ratcheted up in that series. It felt like it was going to be a runaway for the Sixers until it's not. And that's where we're at right now. Greeny,
0: presented by Progressive Insurance. Save – on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com. We will get to that series, which picks up tomorrow night. But up next, what happened to Trey Young? We'll break it down for you in a moment. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio.
1: Greeny,
4: the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around...
5: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: Rough, rough, rough postseason for Trey Young. After that Cinderella run to the conference finals last year, not so much. Struck midnight pretty quick on the Hawks. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. We're coming to you live from above the Heineken River deck at Pier 17. Chris. Now, I have to give you credit. You gave me credit a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. You were dead on about the Miami Heat and the Hawks. The Hawks did not give them – well, they gave them a little bit of trouble here and there, but not nearly enough. Trey Young in this series loss, 22 field goals, 30 turnovers. Oofah. That was a major step back in my estimation for Trey Young this year. This wasn't just about shutting him down. He played poorly.
3: Carlin, how can you say the Hawks gave him a little bit of trouble? The the, the a little the, bit, the, the a Hawks, little bit, the Hawks. The- they got gentlemen swept by the Miami Heat. That's why I said a little, got, a very little. Like no, it was like, no. Like it, down, it went down to the wire was, last okay, night. Okay, so at least it, it wasn't Jimmy sweep, Butler. <laughs> so it because it wasn't a sweep like we saw with the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. A it's Tiny resistant. bit, no, very it tiny wasn't bit. Any resi- it was a minor speed bump for the Miami Heat. It's like you it hit a speed bump and you didn't know what you might have thought it might have been something in the road. It's Just a little speed bump. It, it's 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 not one of those cross Bronx potholes. All right, they that's just hit fair. a little speed bump. All yeah, well, I didn't
0: say that they the gave them everything round. they could handle either. I mean, no, let's, not, let's not turn what I they said. They won an into elimination
3: game last night without Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler. I tell you what, their their
0: plan down the stretch in that game was really outstanding what they were doing for that last look. <clears throat> Oh, my God. What I are you I don't know doing? what they were
3: doing. I, I don't understand what Nate McMillan was doing in that timeout. So you had to side out, and it was a difficult spot because it's on the baseline in the corner. So I get it. You don't have a clean look to inbounds the ball. You got a timeout in your back pocket. You call timeout. It just makes sense. But then you draw it up, and the best inbounds pass that you can come up with is putting Danilo Gallinari in the coffin corner and allowing mm. him to get trapped. And then from Gallinari's perspective, which is surprising because he's a veteran player, you didn't have the wherewithal to try to bounce it off of one of those Miami Heat players' legs and get it out of bounds in a different spot to maybe create a better inbounds pass angle for a final shot to tie that game up. There were just so many things wrong with those last couple of possessions for the Atlanta Hawks but it's symbolic of what we've seen from the Atlanta Hawks on offense throughout the entirety of this series. A lot of awful turnovers. You had a lot of terrible shots that Trey Young and company were taking. And all of that plays into the Miami Heat's hands because you're not going to find a more disciplined, a more physically tough, rugged team than the Miami Heat. So I just felt like this was a bad matchup from the get with Atlanta Hawks and the way that this series played itself out. Prove me right. So I appreciate you, big fella, giving me me my flowers. Because I thought I was going to have to call you to the front of the congregation. I thought I was going to have to do that. But I'm glad I don't have to do that today.
0: I will own it. I will absolutely own it. And all right, not even a little bit of trouble, a minor speed bump. By the way, we are really getting a gift in the NBA right now, Chris, with what we're seeing with the Grizzlies and Timberwolves between Anthony Edwards and, and John Morant. I mean, Morant last night, listen, he still does things that he should not do. But 30-13 and nine assists, and then he ends up with 18 in the fourth quarter, the ridiculous dunk, and then makes the play uh, for the layup right after Anthony Edwards buries a three, falling backwards in the corner. I mean, these two young players are giving us all the excitement that you can ever hope for in a playoff series.
3: Yeah, I mean, we have to say the three young players, right? Because it's Ja, it's Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, I, I, yeah, I guess. And all of them have taken turns <laughs> showing out throughout throughout this series. And so, yeah, Ja Morant treated us to something special in the fourth quarter. My only question is, why did it take you so long to get going? Yeah. You only had 12 points through the first three quarters, and Carlin, he was 2-7 from the free throw line yeah. in the first three quarters. That's the part that's so surprising. If you're a primary ball handler, you gotta knock down free throws. If you attack the rim as much as John Morant does, you gotta knock down free throws. And he did that in the fourth quarter. He was nine of ten from the free throw line in the fourth quarter to go along with making some absolutely huge shots. I mean, that three ball that he buried at the top of the key to put him up. Like that yep. was that was a damn impressive shot. And then the game winning play, the layup, the finish, it was unbelievable. But Carlin We know what got all of this started for the Memphis Grizzlies. It was Ja Morant at the end of the third catching a body on Malik Beasley. Mm. That's what got everything started. That's what got Ja Morant going. That's what got the crowd in Memphis going. That's what got his teammates going. When he made that Sports Center top 10 highlight on Malik Beasley, you could just feel the energy from the Grizz pick up a notch. And to me, that's when they're playing their best basketball when Ja Morant is aggressive in pushing the pace and attacking the rim. Too many times in this series, he's had opportunities in transition where he's pulled it out and tried to set up the half-court offense. That's not who the Memphis Grizzlies are, well, at least not yet. They the- got to push things, and that means Ja Morant being aggressive to the hoop. And the Timberwolves, they got to learn how to close. I mean, this is twice now
0: in this series where they're up double digits in the fourth quarter, and they, and they end up blowing the game. I mean, you got to find a way to close these games out.
3: Did you they end up blowing the game, enough. or was it D'Angelo Russell blowing the game? Because I'm confused.
0: I, Chris, I'm so glad, glad you brought it up. He is so maddening to watch in these stretches. When you have Edwards and Towns on the floor, give the ball up. Like The Rock says, know your role. Give the ball up. <laughs> know your place. That Your place is not to be taking the shots in those spots, especially when you're doubled and off balance. Oh, my God.
3: Yeah, I don't understand it. That that, that second-to-last possession that the Timberwolves had where he has that uh, that running jumper that he tries to bank in and it doesn't even hit the rim, what are you doing? You saw Carl Anthony Towns coming out of a timeout mouthing, just get me the ball. And then in that last possession, you saw what they did and got Anthony Edwards the ball. How'd that work out for the Timberwolves? Yeah. I mean, they came a defensive stop away from stealing game five in Memphis. So, I I just – I don't know what's going on with D'Lo. I don't know why he feels like he has to be the hero when he's clearly the third option on that team. You're the point guard. Just facilitate the greatness of the other guys because you're not that dude. That team belongs to Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. Let them be the guys that decide the game for the Minnesota Timberwolves, not D'Angelo Russell. Just saying. Just
0: putting that out there. Quickly, Mikhail Bridges, 31. Um, and then Chris Paul, 22, and what are he finish with, 11 assists? I mean, you knew Paul was going to have a bounce-back game after what happened the other day. Is this series going to get wrapped up in six, or will it go seven between the Suns and
3: Pelicans? Uh, I think it actually goes seven games. I think that Phoenix takes care of their business once they get back to Phoenix. I'd be surprised if the Pelicans go out with the whimper just because of how good they've been early on in this series.
0: I think it's going to be over. I think that the Suns will get it together and wrap it up in Game 6. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Yes, the NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tonight, it's the Bucks hosting the Bulls, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN Radio stations. So the draft is tomorrow night. At what point will all hell break loose? We, have, we ask our draft analyst up next. It's Canty and Carlin, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus.
1: Greeny, the podcast.
6: Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
0: The ball issue in Major League Baseball is going to continue to be a problem when we have what happened last night with the Mets in St. Louis continue to happen. Now, the Mets are upset because they have been hit more than any other team in baseball, Chris. But Pete alonso has been hitting ahead head twice. And as you have pointed out before, Alonzo's the one who last year said, they can use all the sticky stuff they want because I want them to be able to control the baseball. And when you listen to Chris Bassett say Major League Baseball is a major problem because we, we don't know what baseball we're going to be using inning to inning, that's a major, major issue right now.
3: No, I mean, you're jeopardizing the integrity of your sport when you're manipulating the baseballs as often as Major League Baseball is doing. A few years ago, because they couldn't juice the players, they decided they wanted to juice the baseballs, and then you're having all of these home runs, the ball flying out of the ballpark routinely, and then they decided they wanted to pull back on that. Then they went with a different type of baseball, and of course, the seams being affected affects the the grip that the pitchers take. It affects their overall spin rate. So there's that part of it, and then you couple that with the crackdown on the sticky stuff, and it makes it tougher for those guys to do their job to throw 100-plus miles an hour and to have the kind of command that everybody would feel comfortable with. And if you're a batter in the batter's box, you realize that that pitcher has a deadly weapon, and you got to get concerned a little bit when those guys don't have the control that they once did and so I get where Pete Alonso and all of the hitters around Major League Baseball, I get where all of those guys are coming from. There needs to be more consistency with Major League Baseball in terms of the ball that they're going to use so guys can adjust to it. And I'll the fact you. that you don't have that is a big problem.
0: It is. And, and think about Alonzo for a second. This is a guy that had a car accident in spring training where his truck flipped over several times, was lucky to be alive, and now he's gotten hit twice in the head during the season – and he's supposed to keep his focus at the plate knowing that can happen at any moment. It's, You know, we always criticize the NFL because we talk about player safety all the time, Chris. Like, this has to be about safety more than anything else.
3: No doubt about it. And it just has to be about consistency, too, Carlin. Like, that's the thing. Like, this is, this is an entertainment product, and I get that you're trying to appeal to a lot of different fans and you want more action – But it can't be at the compromise of the well-being of the players.
0: It just can't be. And right now, you have to stop messing around with this and go with something safe and more universal.
1: The NFL Draft on ESPN Radio. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. The 2022 NFL Draft. Coverage of round one begins Thursday at 7 on ESPN Radio and on ESPN.
0: So at what point in the top ten do things inevitably take a turn? We get the answer... To that, in just 30 seconds with our NFL Draft Analyst, according to research, 90% of employers plan to make enhancing the employee experience a top priority in 2022. After all, a happy workplace like one that allows for a flexible schedule and focuses on company culture is key to attracting and keeping employees. And if you need to add more employees to your team, there's ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds the right candidates for your job and proactively presents them to you. You can easily review these candidates and invite your top choices to apply. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny today. By the way, you can catch us most days, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern, on ESPN Radio right now. More draft talk. ESPN NFL draft analyst Jordan Reed joining us in studio, giving us a straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. I can't even imagine what your schedule today looks like when you're leading up to this and as nuts as the last few months have been.
2: Yeah, kind of forgot that I didn't eat breakfast this morning. That's how (laughs) hectic everything has been for me. But it's like Christmas week for me. I'm just like a kid waiting on Christmas to get here. If you remember that lead up to the, to Christmas took forever to get here. So tomorrow is like Christmas day for me.
0: All right. So let's get rolling. What are you seeing at the very top? Are you buying into the Trayvon Walker hype as the number one overall pick, or do you still think Jacksonville will go Aiden Hutchinson?
2: I think it's Trayvon Walker. We just saw Ken Robinson get the big money. They franchise tagged him, but he gets the contract extension, but With Trent Baalke, if you think about it, the general manager for Jacksonville, he loves athletes at the position. And Aiden Hutchinson is an athlete, but he he has more production than what Trayvon Walker does have. But he, Walker is the more athletic of the bunch, but he doesn't quite have the production that Aiden Hutchinson has. He only had nine and a half career sacks when he was at Georgia, but the potential. At six foot five, 270 pounds, he runs in the low four fives, which is unheard of at defensive end so I think Balky similar to what he did when he was with the 49ers when he selected Alden Smith a very similar mold as far as an athlete to Trayvon Walker at the position
3: Jordan if that does indeed happen with Walker going with the second with the first overall pick it's hard to imagine that the Detroit Lions would pass on Aiden Hutchinson with the second overall pick and I guess if that takes place then Houston becomes the real pivot point at number three in this year's NFL draft. What direction do you see them going in, and how does that shape the rest of what we see in the top ten?
2: Yeah, I think you're spot on as far as Detroit taking Hutchinson at number two overall, and that's probably best-case scenario for them just because if you think about it, Detroit doesn't have anybody as far as jersey sales. Who's that one guy that you look up in the stands and you see everybody wearing their jersey? It's probably still Matthew Stafford for that organization. But now you have Aiden Hutchinson, the home state kid, Michigan born, Michigan bred. So I think that would be a dream scenario for the Lions. But I think after that, the draft gets really, really interesting for the Texans just because they have so many needs. And if you think about it, Their weak points. You probably could put all of the above. You can't pinpoint three to five positions that they need help at. So if I had to guess, it probably would be offensive tackle or cornerback. It could be Evan Neal. It could be Akema Aquanu, Or it could be Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. There's so many different directions that Nick Casario could go with his number three overall pick.
0: Yeah, the Texans' weak point is football at this point. It's (laughs) Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio in for Greeny. The the Derek Stingley situation, we, we hear more and more, and it's always hard to believe what you hear this week, right? But we hear more and more that he could be the guy that teams end up trading up to try to get. How do you evaluate Derek Stingley?
2: He's the best cornerback in the draft to me. I think that highly of his skill set. And Sauce Gardner has been more consistent over the past three years just because he's been on the field and Sauce's resume is just ridiculous. Not giving up a touchdown at all during his career, that's just unheard of for somebody at the position. But when you go back to that twenty nineteen season from Derek Stingley, it was just magical. And I think with Stingley, he was just somebody that experienced too much a little too early. Just because if you think about it, he was on that team with Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. You're a true freshman, you're eighteen years old, you go fifteen and oh, you're at the top of the mountain. LSU dwindled after that, and then he had some injury history too, missed 13 games over the past two seasons. So I think the talent is still there, but it's just a matter of his availability. It's not the question of ability with Derek Stingley. I think he's very, very talented.
3: Jordan, a lot of the focus will be on the New York football franchises early on on Thursday night because both of them have multiple top 10 picks. I want to ask you about the team that has the first pick, the New York Jets. They've been linked to Kayvon Thibodeau with the fourth overall selection. Your thoughts on him as a player and what kind of fit that would be if the Jets did indeed decide to draft him? Well,
2: I think it would be a home run pick for them, whether it's at number four overall or number 10 overall. If I'm Joe Douglas, I would take him at number four overall just because this team has not had a fearsome player off of the edge really since John Abraham in his heyday. And John Abraham played a very long time ago, going over a decade long ago, so I just think they need somebody off of the edge that they can build around. They thought Carl Lawson was going to be that guy, but he tears the Achilles in training camp. Now they need to put somebody opposite of that. And this team hasn't had a double-digit sack guy since Muhammad Wilkerson in 2015. So that just goes to show you that they're lacking off of the edge. But I think Kayvon Thibodeau could come in and he could thrive not only on the field but off the field too. Jordan Reed, ESPN NFL
0: analyst and NFL draft analyst, joining us. It's Canty and Carlin and for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. The two tackles between Iquanu and Evan Neal, break that down for us. Who's the better play? Or even Charles Cross in that mix, too, because Chris has him above the other two.
2: Nice. That's very, very bold <laughs> from Canty. But there's a lot of people that actually agree with him throughout the league. And I'll just start with the Kim Just an outstanding athlete at six foot four, 320 pounds. We're talking about somebody that ran the last leg of his four by one team in high school. So that just goes to show you just the type of athlete that he is. The character checks out very, very magnetic and infectious type of personality too. outstanding run blocker. He loves the finish. He plays through the echo of the whistle from referees. But the pass protection is the big question mark for him. He has a tendency to overset quite a bit, which allows defenders to come across his inside shoulder quite a bit. So that happened throughout the season. So there's a lot of excitement about Aquanu. Some people like him more so at guard as opposed to tackle, but I think what he put on film a year ago I think would be just fine at tackle. Then with Evan Neal, he's one of those guys that just doesn't look his size. He's six foot seven, three 360 pounds, but he came in at 337 at the combine. He lost a significant amount of weight, but he has that Tyron Smith type of build of where he looks like he weighs 290 pounds, but you're like, no way, this guy weighs 340 pounds. But – the thing that he has over some of the other guys, his counterparts in his draft class is that when he first came in, he was on that Alex Leatherwood, Jonah Williams type of plan of where he played guard. He played right guard his freshman season. He played right tackle his sophomore year. Then last year, he transitions to left tackle. So he has that versatility that you're looking for. to. The thing with Neil is that people would like to see him be a little bit more physical and finish a little bit more than what he does considering his size. But I think he has all the tools to be a franchise left tackle. And then with Charles Cross, it's just the big worry with him. is just the air raid offense that he plays in. So with Mike Leach, they had an eighty-one to nineteen percentile splits pass the run ratio. So he's by far the most pol- the most polished pass protector of the bunch. But it's just the run blocking and the inexperience with doing that that a lot of scouts have a question mark with.
3: It's Kenny and Carlin talking with ESPN draft analyst Jordan Reed on Greeny and Jordan. A lot of questions about this quarterback draft class. We heard that there are the Carolina Panthers have notified quarterback Sam Donald that they could potentially take a quarterback in this draft. Now we know that they don't have any day two selections, so a lot of people are circling that sixth overall pick. Do you think this is more smoke or is there a real possibility that they could go with one of the quarterbacks at number six? And if they did, who's that guy gonna be?
2: I think it's a very real possibility, honestly, just because I think there's only three options for what they could do. And the first one is trade back, just because outside of the number six overall pick, they don't have another selection until 137 overall just because they used all that draft capital trading for Sam Darnold. So I think with Scott Fitterer, him making four trades in his first year as GM last year, his first draft as GM last year, he wants to move back. But the thing about that is there's no player that a lot of teams are going to be fallen over themselves for to trade up for in this draft class. So he may get in a situation of where he has to take a quarterback at six. They could go offensive tackle as well and then bring in somebody like a Baker Mayfield or a Jimmy Garoppolo. But if they stick and pick with a quarterback, I think it's going to be Kenny Pickett from Pitt just because of the history that they have with him. When Matt Rule was the head coach at Temple, Kenny Pickett was actually committed Two, Matt Rule when he was at Temple, and then also David Tepper, him being an alum of the University of Pittsburgh, I think that could come into play as well. I just think they want the more polished quarterback of this year's crop just because there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Matt Rule has to win games next year.
0: We're going to take calls on the draft here in just moments at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888 3776 What team do you expect to make a bold move tomorrow night? A couple of more for you real quick. On that quarterback vein, We have heard a lot about Mike Tomlin linked to Malik Willis. Do you see the Steelers trading up? Will they get nervous to try to go get Malik Willis if he's still on the board?
2: I think it's a possibility, honestly, just because they have shown if they really like somebody, they will trade up for him. And the last time that they had the number 20 overall pick, they traded up to number 10 to go get Devin Bush, the inside linebacker who they took in the first round a couple years ago. Now, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, they obviously have a need at quarterback I know they signed Mitchell Trubisky, but I just don't think he's the long-term answer there. Based on the contract that he signed, two years, $14 million, that just goes to show you that they kind of view him as a placeholder in a sense, and they still have Mason Rudolph to be the second or the third guy there. So I understand that they like Malik Willis a lot, and there's a possibility that, that they could trade up for him, but you're talking about going from number 20 overall to number five, number all or potentially even higher to get ahead of the Carolina Panthers. I don't know if they would be comfortable trading that type of draft capital.
3: Jordan, there's also going to be a lot of focus in the first round on the receiver class, and it doesn't feel like there's a real consensus on who's going to be the number one receiver off the board. Who is that guy, in your opinion, and where does he end up landing?
2: I think there's three candidates, honestly, and the first one is Jamison Williams from Alabama. He brings such a different skill set than what some of the other guys do in this class. You're talking about somebody that has world-class speed, has the track background His mother actually ran track at UCLA, so he has those genes within him of where he just has that different type of element that he adds to the game. And you have to add in or you have to factor in the ACL tear, but ACL injuries are kind of like sprained ankles nowadays with the way guys are coming back from it and how quickly they are. So I think Jamison Williams of Alabama will be one. The next one is Garrett Wilson of Ohio State. He reminds me a lot of Stephon Diggs when he was coming out of Maryland just the body control, the hands, and then just the maturity as an overall route runner. I think he's definitely a candidate. But also Drake London from USC. I think he's another guy that could go uh, in the top ten. I think the the run on wide receivers are where the first one we could see picked is number eight to the Atlanta Falcons, especially with the Calvin Ridley situation. And then they just don't have anybody else out wide. And then also the New York Jets at number ten overall.
0: 888-SAY-ESPN,
2: 888-729-3776.
0: You could take taking a couple of calls Yeah, absolutely. people Let's that got questions. It's Canty and Carlin presented by Progressive Insurance. Jordan Reed, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst, is with us. Patrick in Atlanta has been very patient on the phones. Patrick, you're on Greeny on ESPN Radio. What's up, bud?
3: Yeah, man, listen, this is going to be the big move of the draft. And
0: the, the Chicago Bears, mark my words, they already signaled by getting rid of
6: Mac. They are going to trade Robert Quinn and a second-round pick because they are not going to let the Packers pick either or both Olave or Pickens
5: ahead of them. It's not going to happen, especially with the way they saw Chase and Burrow,
0: that connection. I don't see it happening, and I'm, I'm willing to bet anything on it. That seems like an awful lot, or not quite <laughs> enough, I should say, to try to get up to where those two guys are going to get picked.
2: Yeah, and you know you have to factor in Robert Quinn's age, and I know he had 18 sacks a season ago, so it's going to take a bit of a leap for Chicago to get up there, and I think they have two picks inside of the top 40, so they do have a chance to get up inside of that range, but hopefully they're able to get some type of draft capital for Robert Robert Quinn. I think it would probably be a second- or a third-round pick if I had to guess right now, but with them needing so much help, I don't know if you just pigeonhole yourself into selecting a wide receiver. They have needs along the offensive line. They have needs at wide receiver, too, and then some on defense, too. So with that roster and them being so far away, especially in the NFC North, I don't know if you want to pigeonhole yourself into selecting or just trading up for a wide receiver. All right, let's hit Kevin in Iowa up next on
0: ESPN Radio. Kevin, what's your question?
2: Yeah, how's it going,
4: guys? I am pretty certain that the Steelers – are going to trade with the Seahawks,
6: and they're going to get Malik Willis. If there's one thing I know every year, the Seahawks are looking to trade back. And another thing that I know every year, the Steelers have a terrible smokescreen when it comes to drafting. They need
0: a quarterback. Tomlin wants his guy. I bet you the Seahawks are looking for more trading back, and the Steelers jump up and get Malik Willis. It's a lot. Uh, Again, moving from 20 to 9. I mean, Canty, we think about that, moving from 20 to 9, that's going to cost you a first-round pick next year, certainly.
3: Yeah, but we saw the Pittsburgh Steelers do it in 2017 for an inside linebacker. We did. They we moved did. up to get Devin Bush. So and they traded a the first-round
0: pick for Minkah Fitzpatrick separately a couple of years ago, too.
3: They've exactly. been more aggressive. So, yeah, so it's not outside of the realm of possibility that they would do that. And we got to remember, this is the last draft that Kevin Colbert is going to reside over for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going to be pivoting to a new scouting department after this, So I, I could imagine that a part of his legacy will be what happens with this first round pick. And I could see him doing exactly what Ozzie Newsom did once upon a time with the Baltimore Ravens in his last draft where he took Lamar Jackson with the 32nd overall pick. I could see the Pittsburgh Steelers being aggressive and getting a quarterback for Mike Tomlin to run with for the foreseeable future. So I actually like the concept of the Steelers moving up to get Malik Willis. I just don't know who that team is that they would need to do the dance with in order to have a chance to nab him.
2: And you took the words right out of my mouth. Actually, Canty, I was going to add that that is what exactly Ozzie Newsome did before the transition full-time to Eric DeCosta. It was a bit of a parting gift when he got Lamar Jackson at mm. number two, number 32 overall. So Ke- Kevin Colbert could look to do a similar thing with Malik Willis. Now, for the Seahawks, it would be really bad if Malik Willis ends up working out just because they need a quarterback as well. So they may stick in... Uh, in uh, take the pick there with Malik Willis as opposed to trading with Pittsburgh.
0: All right, I'm going to throw something out there just for the heck of it. The Giants actually find somebody that gets nervous <laughs> enough to trade up, and they trade back, they get a first-round pick next year. Is there any chance, or even that one of their two picks, is there any chance whatsoever that they may actually make the pick for the quarterback for the future now?
2: I don't think so. I think they seem to be committed with Daniel Jones and trying to give that trial year that I like to call Uh um, with Brian Dable just to see what they can do. Now, I don't expect them to select two times inside of the top ten. I think they want to be very similar to what Philadelphia did with New Orleans. They want to give themselves some flexibility in 2023 just in case they want to go get that quarterback next season.
0: Who's the guy, real quick, uh, in 20 seconds that a team is going to jump up to go get? to give them a chance to move back? Because so many teams want to move back.
2: From a, qu- a quarterback? Any position. Um, I would say Lewis Seen, the safety from Georgia. I think there's a lot of people that like him throughout the league.
0: Awesome stuff, Jordan. Appreciate it, man.
2: Absolutely. Thanks as always.
0: That's Jordan Reed, ESPN NFL draft analyst. I mean, Canty, I had to ask. I mean, I know they're not doing it, but I had to ask.
3: Yo, no, I, I'm, I'm not mad at you. You got to ask. But I, I have zero confidence in what my guys, what Big Blue is going to do with those two first-round picks in the top <laughs> ten, I have zero confidence. <laughs> even though it's a new administration, even though it's Joe Shane and the you know coming from the Bills, and only only way I have confidence if you could promise me that John Mara is going to stay out of the kitchen. That's the only way. Oh wow, wow! It's going to be fascinating tomorrow, to be sure.
1: Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Plus. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.
0: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers
4: are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.